0: Throughout the history of the church, 99% of our gatherings have been filled with joy and celebratory in nature, but there's one day that we meet that's marked on the church calendar that's a little more of a somber tone that we gather, and that day is Good Friday. It's a day in which we remember the great sacrifice of our Savior Jesus Christ, the, the death that He took for you and I on the cross at Calvary. It's a day in which the sins of the world were placed on His shoulders. And it's a time in which we gather and we really try to remember what that was like. And it's kind of an abstract idea for most of us. But I'll tell you when that changed for me. It was when I heard the words of a song that we're gonna sing here in just a little bit, how deep the Father's love for us. There's a line in that song that says, it was my sin that held Him there. And when I thought about that for a moment, That sin became less about history, but it came about me being part of history. See, it was my sin, my sin from the past, my sin from my current life, as well as my sin that I'd have in the future that was all placed on that cross. And so it changed the way that I look at Good Friday. It's changed the way in which I worship. And so as we gather tonight as the body on this one day of year that's marked by a much somber tone. May we walk out of here knowing that we met with a living God, but that living God came with a tremendous price, the price of his death for you and I. And so let's pray as we enter into worship. Heavenly Father, we enter into your presence with reverence, but we enter into your presence with thanksgiving. Because it's a day that's marked as Friday on the calendar. But for those of us who know you as Lord and Savior, it's a day that we can truly mark as a good Friday. And so, Lord, minister to us and may we remember, may we go back in history and realize that it was our sin that held you on that cross. And so, Lord, minister to us this evening as we worship you. In your holy name,
1: With us. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, is firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love. Ross has Jesus died
2: On the cross and gave your life as a ransom for many. We bless you and thank you for the outpouring of your love and offer our worship today out of unspeakable gratitude. Amen.
3: What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood.
4: To move deeper into our observance of Good Friday service, this is a great time to talk to you about some of the practical logistics of what will happen as you continue to move into the service. Uh, because of our virtual environment, we won't be able to provide you with a wafer as well as the juice to partake of communion. What we would ask right now is that if you can, move to your cupboard and grab a cracker, a cookie, anything that you can use instead of a wafer. Uh, if juice isn't available at your home in a pinch, you can use some water. Uh, We'll come together and at the right time of the service we will partake of communion at the same time though, we'll be apart. Today's service is designed to be very emotional. As a matter of fact, you will see a list of emotions that were experienced by John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He observed these emotions in different ways. You'll see four of these emotions laid out. You'll see confusion, fear, anger, and finally despair. Each of these emotions will be laid out wonderfully in the service, as well as accompanied by artistic expression. Our encouragement is that you give yourself the freedom to feel these emotions in the midst of the service. Let us go now as we move to the upper room where we join Jesus, who is washing his disciples' feet. As
5: darkness fell, we gathered to eat what would be our last meal with Jesus. From beginning to end, the words and actions of our Savior left me bewildered. After we arrived, he wrapped a towel around his waist, knelt, and proceeded to wash our feet. A menial task normally reserved for servants. Jesus explained that he was illustrating how we should serve each other, but I couldn't get over the fact that the Messiah would lower himself like that. Later, as he served us dinner, he said that the bread he broke was his body and the wine he poured out his blood. And we were supposed to eat it. Jesus was known to make bold statements, but this? He then claimed that one of us would betray him. All of us at this point, wide-eyed and confused, looked around at each other wondering what had come over our leader, our friend. He knew we loved him. But then he quoted scripture saying, He who shared my bread has turned against me. With that, he dipped his bread in the bowl and offered it to Judas. I couldn't believe it. What betrayal was Jesus referring to? What game was Jesus playing? Jesus then leaned into Judas and said, What you're going to do, do quickly. Why did he seem so passive, so sad? What lay ahead this night? Judas quickly excused himself and rushed into the darkness.
6: How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond i mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
5: Later that evening, Jesus led us out to pray. We had been there for some time when we heard footsteps approaching. Under torchlight, we could make out Roman guards in full regalia, swords at the ready with leading the way. His eyes were filled with an anger born of pride and pain. Without hesitation, he greeted Jesus with a kiss full of malice, and the soldiers surrounded him. In that moment, it all began to make sense. Over the last few months, I had noticed Judas brooding on the edges of the crowd while Jesus taught. He had complained before that Jesus didn't seem to be making plans to overthrow Rome like the Messiah was supposed to. These past couple of months, I had noticed that his frustration would sometimes turn to outright anger and on occasion, fury. In fact, the last straw for Judas must have come when Jesus predicted his own death. A premature death was not the traditional story of the messianic king and conqueror so he must have concluded that Jesus was a fraud. At that moment, something ugly sprouted in my heart. How could he? We had faced so much together. Jesus had done so much for him. I looked to Jesus, expecting him to challenge Judas and put him in his place. Instead, I saw his eyes fill with sorrow and compassion as he looked down upon the wretch. And with that, the soldiers led him down the hill, the flickering torches swallowed by the darkness of night. Peter and I watched Jesus' hearing from a nearby courtyard. Peter's forehead glistened with sweat. I thought he stood too near the fire, but the wringing of his hands and constant pacing indicated his level of panic. His focus was broken by a voice of a girl. Weren't you with Jesus? she asked. No, Peter shot back. You're surely one of his disciples, another said. I don't know him, Peter growled. A little later, a third exclaimed, You certainly walked with Jesus. At this point, Peter shook with paranoia. He couldn't afford to be associated with this nearly convicted criminal. The story of his life seemed to be falling apart in front of him. Peter lost control of himself. He denied Jesus. He even cursed, declaring that he had no idea what they were talking about. The crowd sat stunned. The rooster's crow pierced the silence. From afar, Jesus caught Peter's eye. All I could hear was his helpless weeping as he stumbled outside into the darkness.
7: Sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed. The sea. The purchase and redeem in reconcile the
5: stood at the cross, desperately scouring the crowd for my brothers. But none were to be found. I was alone. I had believed that somehow Jesus would escape his sentence, but at every turn, the will of the Jewish and Roman leaders crushed my hope. Even Jesus seemed to have given up Hours before, he put up no resistance as the soldiers beat, whipped, and crucified him. At this point, the story of our last three years together was meaningless. Despair gripped my spirit, weakened my knees, clouded my vision. Mary stood next to me. Her heart broke more than my own. Her primal maternal screams expressed the hopelessness we all felt. I could stay upright only because Jesus said she should be my responsibility now. But what was the point? The brutal death of her son would surely send her to an early grave as well. Every last shred of hope dissipated with Jesus' final gasp. then
6: died, my riches to gain. E'er such love and sorrow meet Or thorns compose so rich a crown
8: Good Friday, a time when the church gathers together and yet you're there and we're here. A time when the church remembers the death of Jesus Christ. A time that the church gathers together and celebrates the Lord's Supper. It's kind of a problem. How do we do that at a time like this? And yet, it's an opportunity. This isn't the first time in history that the church has struggled to gather. I think of the persecuted church who partook of the Lord's Supper in in forests, in basements, in prisons, in homes, in homes. In Mark chapter 14, in the very first Lord's Supper, Jesus and his disciples gathered in a home, a guest house. And Jesus explained to them what was about to happen in the coming days, his death. And so he took the bread and he took the cup And he talked about atonement. In Acts chapter 2, we read that the followers of Jesus Christ gathered in homes to break bread in homes. And so where you are right now, hopefully you've grabbed something to represent the body of Jesus Christ, a loaf of bread, a piece of bread and something to represent the cup, the blood of Jesus, a glass of wine, grape juice, maybe water. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, though we're apart, we're reminded that communion is all about common union, unity in the body of Christ. And we don't have to be together for that to happen. In fact, what unifies us is just that, the body of Christ. And so as you are gathered apart together tonight, I want to encourage you to hold on to the bread and the cup and prepare together to take communion, the Lord's Supper, common union, apart, but together.
9: The death of Christ, death is destroyed. Oh, the wonder of this awesome scene, where I
10: family, as we gather together now, I encourage you to take your bread. We're going to remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ the same way that he did with his men all those years ago. They'd gather in an upper room, and he would break the bread, and he would give it to them, and he would say, this bread represents my body, which is given for you. Would you take this in remembrance of me? At the same time, he would pass the cup and he'd say, "This cup represents my shed blood, shed on your behalf, ushering in a new covenant, covenant of God's grace, change the world forever. As often as you take of it, would you do this in remembrance of me? Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you so much." For a night like this that we get to stop and we get to slow down and we get to remember the sacrifice you made for us, for our benefit. God, we call this Good Friday because it's good for us. It was not a good Friday for your son. God, it came with a great cost, his very life. And yet, God, you saw fit, you saw worthy to pay that price so that I could stand here and be forgiven. So God, I thank you for that. Thank you for all that this sacrifice means. God, I thank you from every son and daughter inside of your family for what the sacrifice means to us. God, grace that we cannot understand, we cannot fathom. So God, thank you. God, we thank you that we don't have to live on Friday, but God, we can look forward to Sunday and the hope and his coming. So God, let us fix our eyes on your son, Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
11: So as most of us know, we call today Good Friday, Good Friday. I've said this before, but I'll say it again, and we're going to wrestle with this right now. and I first became a Christian, I've always wondered, why do they call it Good Friday? I know in hindsight why we call it Good Friday, but when you read the gospel accounts, and as we've walked you through today, just John's account of that original Friday, <laughs> Thursday, Friday, it doesn't feel very good. And so I don't know about you, but I've always felt the last 40 years since I've been a Christian, somewhat of a disconnect every Good Friday that we have between reading the gospel accounts and all of their honesty about that day and and then what we call it in hindsight, almost like a bad Friday versus a Good Friday disconnect. In other words, why Do we vacillate what is this disconnect between the negative aspect of this day that you feel all through the gospel as jesus died and everybody was so surprised but the positive outcome that we all know in hindsight uh exists because of this day Why that disconnect? I've always wondered this. Why can't we just focus on one of them, preferably the positive thing, which is probably why we call it Good Friday? Why do we have to have this somber, dark, negative experience? Why do we have to focus on four emotions like we have done today in order to get to the positive? And over the years, I've realized something, even though I still feel the disconnect. This is what I've realized about Good Friday and about this day. And that is that the disconnect that we feel is the point. Let me repeat that. The disconnect that we feel between reading the gospel accounts and all of the somberness and the negativity and even the despair that we feel around that original Good Friday and then how we call it Good Friday, that actually is the point. Uh, of this entire celebration or worshipful time. Uh, Let me explain. Uh, During our time today, we've put before you four emotions uh, that are contained clearly in John's Gospel. Four emotions that the original 12 disciples and some of the women went through as they experienced Jesus's passion movement. Uh, Those emotions, you might remember, are confusion and then anger, fear, And despair. The confusion during the Last Supper when Jesus was kind of hinting what was going to happen very soon and then Judas betrayed. They were all confused by that. And then obviously the anger that was experienced at the arrest of Jesus with the Roman soldiers and then Judas betraying and then even Peter at one point cutting off the centurion's ear. I mean, there's just anger all over that event. And then fear. Obviously, with Peter's denial and him being so afraid to even be associated with Jesus, whereas he just said he died for him and now he's denying that he ever knew him. And then, obviously, despair with Mary and John at the cross and seeing Jesus die and the utter despair, all of their dashed hopes and dreams at the foot of the cross. I told you guys about this last weekend when we talked about Palm Sunday. It's going to be a tough week for the disciples and Jesus' followers. And to say it mildly, it's been a tough few days leading up to this Friday. That's the way the original passion event is described in all four of the Gospels, not the least of which is John. And yet we call it Good Friday. What's that about? Here's why. As we know, as most of us know, Both during this terrible event, as well as confirmed after this event, God brought the gospel. Let me repeat that. Both during this this awful passion event that's full of despair and anger, fear and confusion, as well as certainly after it, as we move into Easter, God brings the gospel. As John would say, into this darkness came the light the light of God's ultimate plan to bring forgiveness to our souls and grace to our everyday lives. Don't let this escape you. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the trials, in the midst of these four terrible emotions that we've highlighted for you today that are contained right there in the gospel, in in, in John's gospel, came the gospel of Jesus Christ. The light of forgiveness, the light of his grace, the hope that we have right now, eternal life that is waiting for us. So in the midst of this this difficulty, God was up to something much, much, much bigger. In and through uh, this difficult time, even these awful emotions came the most powerful and profound move of God, in the history of the known world, his son coming to bring us home. Jesus had to die. He had to atone for our sins. He rose from the dead to prove who he was. And because of all of that and our subsequent faith and trust in him, we now have hope. You and I now have life. That's the message of Good Friday. And you have to have both. You have to have the despair and all that they went through to get the gospel because only in the midst of all of that that god decided to bring the hope of his son jesus christ again don't miss this he didn't bring it despite all the difficulty or around all the difficulty or even in place of all of the difficulty no he brought his gospel in and through all of the difficulty that's the the message of good friday and the difficulty of it And here's what you and I might take into our lives today as we remember this original Friday event. And that is that God still does that today. That in the midst of our darkness, in the midst of our very difficult times, in the midst of our emotions that we go through today, emotions like confusion, fear, anger, even despair, because we all go through this, God is in the habit of entering into that, like he did that very first Good Friday, and bringing his best, bringing his grace, his love, his forgiveness, his activity, bringing the gospel into our lives. Could that be more timely to what our culture is going through right now, with COVID nineteen and the incredible fear that people have, with the isolation that many of us have had to go through, and and and, and the the confusion that that might bring, even the anger that some of us might go through, the physical and health struggles that some of you might be going through, unemployment that millions are going through right now. I mean, these are difficult times that elicit an incredible amount of emotions, even in the lives of followers of Jesus Christ. And so as we remember that that first Good Friday event, the Passion event, and as we've highlighted for you these emotions that they went through, don't miss. Those emotions are part of life. Those are part of, of this fallen world. And God allows us to go through those. But right in the midst of them, as Jesus is dying, as Jesus comes for you, right in the midst of that, he brings his goodness, his grace, his atonement, his forgiveness, his love for you. That's Good Friday. And that's why we call it Good some of you are saying right now, well, Jim, you haven't quoted any scripture yet. <laughs> well, I got one for you. Before we allow our pastor, Ray Larson, to close our time together with a wonderful closing benediction, let me read for you how Peter, one of Jesus' closest followers, would go on to make sense of this darkness and trials and sufferings that we all have to go through in this fallen world and what Jesus brings into them. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through four and then verses six through nine. He says, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that's the good news of all of that. And he says, and we even have an inheritance that can never spoil, fade, or perish. And so he says, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, You have had to suffer griefs of all kinds and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, Peter says, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the very salvation of your souls. So take heart today. I know some of you might've come or tiled in here beat up today, a little wondering where God is and what he's up to in the midst of all the things that our culture is going through and the craziness of this time. It's good that we focus on Good Friday, because it's good. Yeah, it's filled with some difficulty. The original one was, and it is today. But don't ever, ever forget that God brings his grace, his goodness, his son, his gospel into our lives in the midst of even these difficult times. Won't you bow with me and let's pray. Father God, it's been great for us today to focus on that original passion event and even the emotions that they went through as they thought that their world was falling apart, as they thought that things were over in a very, very real sense. What they didn't realize, but they soon would, God, is that you were actually doing your best work in the midst of all of that. (laughs) You were bringing your gospel and your grace, your truth and your goodness, your forgiveness, your atonement into the midst of that darkness. And that's what makes that Friday a good Friday. That's where we feel that disconnect, Father. And God, I pray that as we too today are struggling with the continual darkness of this fallen world, with all the things that are going on in our culture right now, God, would you remind us that you are still very, very active and that you have brought your grace and your goodness, the salvation of our very souls, as Peter says, into this darkness and that light shines. and As John would say, it even dissipates. It gets rid of that darkness. So God, I pray that as we continue to focus this weekend on what Jesus has done for us, how he has come for us to die for our sins and bring us hope and forgiveness, eternal life. And then Lord, as we move toward this resurrection experience, God, lift up our souls, give us joy as we focus on your glory. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. As our service
1: draws to a conclusion, there will be some prompts on your screen. These are to guide you in further reflection or perhaps discussion if you're with a friend or family. Our Good Friday services are often dark, filled with sadness, very normal as we stop to consider the sufferings of our perfect Savior. That being said, we know the conclusion to this story, the victory that comes on Easter morning. And until we gather again on Easter morning, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of our Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.